And what that taught me more than anything else is what I didn't want to do, which feels funny. But actually, I think sometimes it's as useful to know what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Linda Harris. Linda was introduced to us by Emma Spence from show number 178. Linda works as a head of marketing and communications for a children's charity in South Wales. Previously, she worked in travel for 15 years. Then COVID-19 hit and the travel industry, like many others, was turned upside down. She was furloughed for several months before ultimately being made redundant. It might sound strange, but she says she's actually grateful for both of these things right now. Losing her job and there being no jobs in travel anymore made her reevaluate what she wanted from her life. Linda decided that she wanted a job where she could make a difference and she realised that if she was looking at jobs in a new industry, then perhaps she could move home to Wales. That was something she had wanted for years but didn't think was possible due to the lack of travel jobs in the region. In 2020, she also started a YouTube channel called Better You Books, where she reads and reviews books that can help people to become a better version of themselves. She reads a mixture of personal and professional development books, as well as health and wellness. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Linda Harris. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So start by telling us who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. Yeah, sure. I'm based in Farnborough, Hampshire at the moment, although that's going to change, which I'll get into in a minute. So I'm currently working as Head of Marketing and Communications for a children's charity in Wales. But until um, COVID, I actually worked in the travel industry for the last 15 years. And I loved working in travel. Everyone who works in travel is very passionate about traveling naturally. You know, it's a lovely industry. But then COVID hit and obviously so many industries were really badly affected, but travel was one of the worst. So unfortunately, I was furloughed and then made redundant. But in hindsight, I think it's one of the best things that could have happened to me because it kind of made me realize what I really wanted to do. And as much as I love travel, I kind of had a desire to work um, in the charity sector or somewhere where I could make more of a difference. Mm -hmm. So I started pursuing a role in charity and then I realized that I could move back home to Wales because I'd wanted to do that for years, but I didn't think it was possible because there aren't very many travel jobs in and around Cardiff. But then I went as I realized there were literally no travel opportunities anywhere in the UK that I could start looking there. So I was lucky enough to get a wonderful job uh, working for this children's charity in South Wales. And I'm going to be, I'm in the process of moving back home as well. That's so exciting. And and so uh, exciting to, to hear a, a really positive story about the sort of uh, impact of of 
the the last year we're recording this at the beginning of 2021 it won't be released until the end of april so we were saying before we came on who knows what might have happened by then but uh just for context that's sort of where we are um but as i say great to to hear a, a positive story a, a, about the impact that it is it has had but we were talking again before we came on about how you started a job um somewhere else working from home because that's what we're all doing um and it, it you know i'm just really interested in what that was like to start working somewhere where you haven't been <laughs> and you're not there <laughs> how how did that sort of play out yeah it definitely felt really strange because you know, I'm a people person and I, even though I like working from home occasionally, you know, to really focus, I love being in the office and seeing everyone and people coming up and bothering me as weird as that sounds. I even enjoy that. So it was really strange starting from home and not just because it was a new job, but it was a new industry for me as well. So I was obviously so comfortable working in travel because I'd done it for so long. So I have to learn all of that from scratch and try and meet all of these people. That was really difficult. And I think one of the hardest things is that you have to consciously meet people, you know, so you can say, oh, I think it'd be useful for me to chat to that person. Let's set up a meeting on Teams. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the office, sometimes you'd end up finding useful people by accident. You know, we were saying earlier about when you go and make a cup of tea or that kind of thing. I've often had conversations in the kitchen, especially when I'm new somewhere where, you know, we started talking just casually about, I don't know, something British like the weather or something. And then I find out what they do and then how we can work together and how we can collaborate. And you don't have any of those accidental meetings uh, when you're working from home. So I've just had to be very careful about, you know, almost trying to do meet more people (laughs) than maybe I need. just so I've kind of put a face to the name and we've established some kind of connection. So if I need to call on them later, you know, I I know what they do, but also you know, they've met me. So we kind of have some kind of relationship already. Yes. Yeah. I, before I started my own business, I did quite a few years of interim work. And I, I always remember that moment for the first few days where you sort of, you get there and I I was in a slightly different position to a new starter per se, because people were expecting me to just get on with stuff anyway. You know, I wasn't, um, given quite so much grace as people who were coming into a proper job um but I remember you know that that for those first few days of not really knowing what to do and what really needs doing and you know you'd, you'd go from a role where your in-tray was overflowing and you were trying to prioritize like crazy and you never got any everything done that you wanted to get done to a new job where you don't have anything to do yet but also you don't really know how it works and and you have to sort of try and get that going I I've been imagining that's what it's like when you first start a remote role you know in this sort of environment is it I can see you know that the, the idea is let's make a list of people to, to to sort of meet but did you have those moments as well where you were like they're paying me and I'm not doing very much today <laughs> oh gosh I wish and no, there's so much to do at the moment I there, ha- there hasn't been anyone in my role for over a year right. so it's a big backlog so what if actually I haven't actually make that much effort to speak to other people because they're kind of queuing up to speak to me <laughs> you know they're kind of all these different teams with all these different things that they want to do which are all so valid and you know will be so yeah. important but we're only you know a small team so we can't do it all yeah. you know at the same time so I'm just trying to balance all of that so I think yeah the moment I've I mean luckily I work well on my own initiative because that's the way the role's kind of going at the moment mm. but yeah I just kind of I guess the most important things at the moment is in any new job is working out 
what are the most important things, you know, because there's always so many things you can do, but you just don't have enough time. So I'm just trying to work out at the moment, the absolute priorities and, you know, achieve them. And, you know, it's difficult because I always want to do everything, you know, and straight away. So I kind of need to calm down and think, yes, that is a really good idea and it will be really useful, but maybe we can't tackle it until April because (laughs) we've got all these other things. So I just kind of need to have those discussions with other people around the business, but also to be honest with myself, because I can often take on way too much because I get overexcited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know the feeling I've just come off a, a meeting where I'm uh, doing some work with Engage for Success, the national movement around employee engagement. And I just rashly said, I'll have done it by March. It was very rash. <laughs> now I'm thinking that probably wasn't such a good plan. <laughs> so let's, um, we'll come back to the productivity piece in a moment, because I'll be interested to find out how you're approaching that. But tell us a bit about how this all came about from sort of you know, when you first started in 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 work, you know, the the travel industry was was your thing. Um, is that what you planned to do? And and what sort of roles did you have? And how did that all pan out until you changed? <laughs> well, I, I started off by doing business management at university, and I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I I just done it at GCSE and A level, and I enjoyed business in general. You know, but I didn't I didn't know any more specifically than that. And then I did a placement year at IBM, like a a sandwich year in between my second and third year at uni. And what that taught me more than anything else is what I didn't want to do, which feels funny. But actually, I think sometimes it's as useful to know what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. And I just realized I didn't want to work for a huge company. And I didn't want to work anywhere where I didn't feel passionately about what they did. And to be honest, the division I was working in, I didn't even really understand what we did, never mind feel any passion for it. So then when I left uni, I thought I need to work somewhere I feel passionate about. And I felt like it was probably going to be more into marketing. And at that time, I loved theatre and I loved travel. So it was between one of those. And I chose travel because I'd just done a, um, a gap year after uni as well. So I kind of had the travel bug even more than I had already. Um, but yeah, it took me a while to get kind of my dream job I guess in travel you know I definitely had to very much go through the the, go up the ladder you know and do those admin roles that aren't so much fun at the beginning but to be fair you learn a lot and you know get to understand the industry and then I decided my dream job in travel was in the product department and it doesn't really mean much to people outside of travel I don't think in fact if you search for product manager on LinkedIn it's generally like more of a technical role more of a computer role yeah in the travel industry, it's more to do with, well, the product. So I've worked for group tour companies and I've worked for tailor-made. So say if it's a group tour, then that's the product. So you're responsible for designing the tours and, you know, negotiating with the suppliers for the rates, pricing them. You write the brochure copy, choose the imagery. You also get to go and experience them and recce them, which is obviously the best part of the role. And, you know, you do competitor analysis, check how it's selling, all of that kind of thing. So it's all related to, to the holiday product. And I absolutely loved that. You know, I, I've i got millions of guidebooks at home and it was just strange to be able to be paid at work, to be looking through guidebooks and looking up images of, I don't know, Wadi Rum or uh, Machu Picchu or whatever on my computer and say that that was actually work <laughs> and research. Yeah. So I did love that and I, I did that for many years but I, I also love to be challenged and I love new things so as enjoyable as it was it, it probably got a bit too easy for me because I'd done it too long 
So then I found a job in tailor, luxury tailor-made travel, which was half product, half marketing role. And I'd always been very involved with marketing. And a lot of what product is, is actually would be counted as marketing in other industries anyway. So I thought this is perfect for me. You know, I've kind of got half the role being something I know inside out and half the role as something that's a bit newer to me. So I did that for the, the last three years before, unfortunately, my role was made redundant. And But then it's been really perfect because then having that marketing experience from that role has allowed me to segue into a marketing role in a charity. So it all feels like it's kind of worked out really nicely. Mm. And I never actually wanted to do the same job for my whole career anyway. I didn't know what it was going to be. At one point, I wanted to become a travel lecturer later in life. Um, but all I knew is that it just had to be slightly different. Because like I said, I've got that sense of wanting a challenge. So I just can't say I'm going to do this job for the next 30 years. You know, I would just get bored too easily. So yeah. I like the way it's kind of transitioned, but quite organically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as you say that, it's funny when you do sort of business planning or, or you know, in organisations where you used to do performance reviews, it was always, you know, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? I remember when I first started working in retail as an HR manager in my sort of early 20s, and I remember, you know, always thinking, I don't know, I'm not going to be, I don't, well, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing in 10 years' time. So how can I answer that question? So you end up sort of answering it with just a made-up answer. <laughs> I certainly didn't imagine I'd be doing this. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I I couldn't tell you for the next five or 10 years. Also, you know, the way things are changing these days is you can't predict what you're going to do because maybe that doesn't even exist yet, you know? No, no, exactly. Well, that is what they say, that, you know, half the jobs in the future our children will do don't exist. And, you know, I I sort of... um, show that through the podcast often I you know I ask most of my guests you know did you want to do this when you left school sort of thing and and all right I would ask that but half the things probably at least that people do now didn't exist (laughs) when they were at school so it it is true it sort of feels like it's a sort of a modern concept but actually you know a lot of us are doing things that we didn't know we'd be doing you know we didn't have podcasts in uh, 1987 when I left school (laughs) showing my age now um you know and social media didn't exist and uh the internet didn't exist so you know it's 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 been the case for a long time it just feels like uh, a modern you know really modern concept I suppose to to have these jobs that are different and also as you said with the with the covid and and the lockdown and and the way that businesses are having to work differently you know if we talk to your you know employer and said you know two years ago can you imagine employing somebody who hasn't been to your office and doesn't work in your office and doesn't even live in your country (laughs) I wouldn't imagine they'd have said yes yeah exactly I mean I I did actually have a remote employee in my last job who strangely lived in Romania but we would encourage him to come over as often as he could you know because we felt like we needed to see him and it did work well most of the time but there yeah he wouldn't normally agree to that. You're right. It's kind of something that we've changed the way we think about these days. Yes, yeah, and and changed it very quickly. And I and I guess it in lots of cases it would have changed, you know, permanently. You know, people are going to be a lot more open minded and flexible to these different sort of arrangements because we've proved, you know, we've had to prove that it that it works. So let's go back to talking about the productivity piece. We've talked a bit about how you you know, like to do everything by yesterday <laughs> and perhaps uh, plan to do too much. How how do you organise yourself? How do you make sure you get done what you 
get done and how do you do that prioritizing that you talked about yeah I, f- I feel like it's a work in progress and something I could get better at I was I heard you on one of your podcasts talking about to-doists so I was thinking I definitely need to talk to you about that yeah. because my version of lists I'm, I'm quite organized and I have lots of lists but I can never really decide on where they should be you know so at some points I'll have to-do items in my calendar sometimes they're in Word sometimes they're in Excel sometimes they're in a notes app so I always have something but it's never quite working you know for me as good as it should do Mm. um and in terms of priorities yeah it depends like when it's at work I think it's easier because there's some metrics you know that you want to look at so in terms of you know I'm working for a charity now so what's the what's getting us the best return for our investment you know so which of our fundraising avenues are raising the most money, you know, we should obviously be prioritizing those and or which ones perform particularly well on social or which, one, which ones have the biggest potential. And there's loads of questions like that I'm asking at the moment. So I kind of wanted to have like almost like a tier system of everything that we do and kind of work out, you know, what's the most important, what's the next most important and so on. And the plan was then to kind of showcase the ones that we consider the most important more in our marketing but I don't want to leave out the ones, you know, that don't bring as much money because they are still good in different ways or they might have more potential for the future. So it's not about not doing those at all, but really making sure, you know, sometimes I think when people don't plan properly, you can easily have, you know, the majority of your social media posts about something that's almost bringing in no money. And then you kind of forget about the thing that brings in the most because it just, you know, it kind of goes along on its own. You think you don't need to do more with it. Yeah. So for work, I think it's easier for home life I suppose there's a little bit of listening to your gut you know in terms of there's always so many things I want to do and I've got this YouTube channel I'm trying to fit in now as well and different things and I have to think like what yeah what's most important to me right now you know do I really want to do a YouTube video because I love doing those or am I just flat out from the week and I need a bit of time to relax or you know I've just started doing some volunteering uh, for a mentorship program as well so there's I guess it's just what's making your heart sing at the moment the most and what actually has to be done today because it's the deadlines tomorrow and what could you actually put off you know for another week yes yeah it is very difficult isn't it it's, I've been reflecting a bit you know new year and all that sort of thing um, I don't do resolutions but um, I try and sort of declutter a bit over the holiday and, and get organized and, and all that sort of thing although to be fair I have been saying that I think I had less time during this festive break than I do normally, which is ironic given we were at home. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it just seems to be filled with Zoom meetings and family quizzes and watching the Nutcracker online and binge watching films <laughs> and things uh, that we wouldn't normally do, but we sort of built in because we needed to entertain ourselves. I think it sort of perhaps went the other way. Um, but it's interesting that even sometimes when you have things that you really want to do, they sometimes don't happen. I've been reflecting on the fact that singing is something that I do and I, because I'm not going out to sing in choirs because I can't, I can sing at home. That's not a problem, but I sort of forget to do it or I, I don't build in the time to do it. And then when I think about it, it's too late or I've got something else to do or whatever, even though I think it's a really important hobby to have and it's really good for your wellbeing and everything else. So, um, as you said, I agree with you. It's, it's about, you know, what do I feel like doing? What do I want to do? But sometimes it's also um, sort of really carving out that time. I think I'm trying, I've been trying to reflect on why I don't sing. And I think it's because I sort of have to warm up and I haven't got lots of time. And, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just sing while I work. I could be like the singing coach. <laughs> 
but not teaching not coaching singing obviously um so you know why why don't you do it even though you really want to sort of thing um so i think as you, as you say um gut instinct and going with the flow can be really helpful but i do think that sometimes there's a there's a time to sort of try and really intentionally make that that time happen yeah i've done that recently actually i, I was just thinking back to one of the main takeaways I got this year, because I've read so many books in the last 12 months, and one of them is from Marie Folio's book, which is called Everything is Figureoutable. And she talks a lot about if something's important to you, you'll make the time. Mm. And I know, you know, I started my YouTube channel when I was furloughed, so that was easy. You know, I had loads of time. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, so I wanted to keep it up when I was back working full-time. And at first, it just felt impossible, you know, especially with a new job. And I think remote working it kind of tires me out a bit more as well with all the video calls yeah it's the end of the day and I was exhausted and then you know I wanted to relax on the weekend or I wanted to see my friends or whatever so I just felt like like, you know this isn't possible and then I really questioned myself and I thought look if you really want to do this you'll you'll work something out so what I've come up with now is I'm not productive in the evenings you know that's not where my brain is working at is optimum I'm much better in the mornings so now as part of my morning routine, I've put in half an hour every weekday before I start work at nine, which is for me to focus on my YouTube channel. Mm. It doesn't sound a lot, you know, it's only two and a half hours a week. But I think kind of doing it that way, I guess it's a little bit like the Pomodoro method, you know, by saying I've only, I've only got half an hour because I really need to start work, you know, on time. And I set my alarm. It makes me so much more productive. So I yeah. get much more done in those five half hours than I would do in one two and a half hour slot that's been working really well and then I I do need some time on the weekends as well but then it's a bit easier so one weekend I'll film one weekend I'll edit but I'm doing kind of all my scripts and all my writing in the week and it feels really good to be honest because I'm starting you know obviously once I start work you know I'm completely dedicated to my job all day so it feels quite nice to have already ticked off something that's just for me Mm -hmm. and it was not something I had to do but something I wanted to do yeah, yeah I love that on so many levels you know just the concept of, of being intentional but also as you say the sort of whole Pomodoro thing of giving yourself limited time um again the bit you just said about having to sort of tick something off as well um but just proving how much you can you can do um by what I call small daily actions and that's something that um in my membership group we have a uh, a thing in slack that goes off every morning to say you know what's your one small daily action for today and how did you get on with it yesterday um and we have that sort of accountability and you know that's born out of that whole thing of exactly what you've just said of how much you can actually achieve if you just you know consistently relentlessly keep going with that one small thing every day so tell us a bit more about your youtube channel you know you said you set it up in furlough so you presumably had sort of more time um but why did you choose to do that what it's what is it about um how does it work tell us tell us more yeah sure so it's um a book review channel so it's called better you books and it's where i read and review books that are supposed to help you become a better version of yourself so that can be quite varied you know kind of things like self-help personal development but also business books health and wellness and that kind of thing and it started because I wanted to do something on furlough. You know, I I didn't necessarily need to fill my entire days. You know, it was quite nice going for long walks and, you know, not having to be at work and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm an achiever on if you, if you do the Enneagram, that's kind of my classification. Yeah. So I kind of always need to be doing something. 
so I thought, well, I, I need to learn something. I you need to do something. And lots of people were doing all these different online courses, but there wasn't anything specific, you know, that I wanted to, to upskill in. So I didn't really know, know what to do. And I thought back to my kind of aim at the beginning of 2020, which was that I wanted to improve my public speaking. I, I love public speaking, but, you know, I couldn't, you can always be better at something. So I wanted to do it more and practice and read some books about it and all of that kind of thing. And with COVID, obviously, public speaking was out. But then I thought, well, maybe I could make a little speech, you know, and I could record it and I could put it online um, just for some accountability. You know, I could put it on LinkedIn or something like that. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do it on. And I like to be quite authentic. So I thought I don't want to just make up, you know, almost like a debate and just talk about it because it didn't feel very real. So then I thought back to my other aims in furlough. So I've always been such a bookworm, but I used to read exclusively fiction. And it's only the last year or so I've started reading a lot of nonfiction too. So one of my aims was to read more of those books, but also to really understand them because you can kind of get to the end of them and you think, what have I learned? You know, and you move to the next one, you don't really remember. So I was planning to kind of summarize them a bit more and work out my key takeaways. So it kind of all tied in nicely. I was like, well, I can, you know, start doing reviews you know where I read the books I have to summarize them you know so I can explain them to other people Mm -hmm. and then it got a bit carried away because this was only ever supposed to be you know one thing (laughs) or two videos and then it became an entire channel but then it became so much more exciting to me because I had to learn I love learning you know and I got to learn so many new things about how the YouTube algorithm works and how to edit, which previously I'd always thought I couldn't do, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the world's best, but I'm really pleased with how much I've learned, you know, and also skills about talking to, trying to look excited and engaged, talking to the viewfinder on my phone, which is much harder than doing it in a room full of people where you've got that energy coming from them. So all of those kind of skills. Um, so I, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And I love you know, some of my, lots of my friends watch my videos, but I love it when a stranger, you know, that I've never met comes across my video and says that they've bought the book because of it, or they really liked, you know, what I said, you know, and that to me is crazy that someone on the other side of the world could just find me and enjoy some content I've put out. So it's definitely something I'm, I'm really glad I had that furlough because I would never have started it otherwise because I would have felt too busy. Yeah. So it's great to start it. And then once it's going, then I think you can find if it's important to you, you can find the time to keep it going. Yeah, I, I love the way that you've sort of um, explained what that achiever thing is all about. So <laughs> anyone else would have just read the book. <laughs> you've turned it into a whole industry. <laughs> so what books would you recommend from that process? Are there any that really stand out for you? Yeah, well, I actually just did. My last video was my favorite books of the year, and I ranked all of them that I've reviewed so far in order. Um, So I could tell you my favorite from that, but actually, the one I think, I don't know, might be most applicable, seeing as we're talking a lot about work, is The Squiggly Career. I don't know if you've read that one. I haven't, but we are interviewing um, the, I think it's two authors, isn't it, Um, on the Engage Success podcast later this year, I think. So, yes, tell us more. I, I really recommend that book. It's really good. It's so funny. I, I keep saying that I wish I'd read it sooner, but it was only out in 2020. <laughs> I just wish it had been available for me earlier on in my career. Because yeah. it was the first thing I did once I found out I got made redundant is I ordered that book thinking, I don't know what I want to do next. Um, but it's not really specifically about job hunting. It's just about your how to become more happy, uh, happier and more successful in your career in general. And it's quite simple. It's kind of broken into only about five concepts. 
but they're just it's just it was just really powerful for me there's loads of exercises so you have to commit to doing the exercises because if you just read it I don't I don't think you'll get much out of it Mm -hmm. the exercises I got the most out of is there's a chapter on super strengths and one on values so super strengths they say it's not just what you're good at it's what you're brilliant at and you're going to go through all these different exercises to work out what those are and it is quite interesting because in some ways you could think I know what I'm good at But honestly, I don't think that I completely knew until I went through all the steps. And you answer lots of questions, but you also ask, you know, your colleagues and your family and your friends and you ask all these different people. And it was just so interesting because I'd always say as well, I'm organized, I'm good at planning. But one of the criteria to get into being a super strength was that you had to enjoy it as well. And I thought, I don't enjoy those things, you know, just because I'm good at them (laughs) doesn't mean I want to do them. So, yeah, it was really interesting. And I you know, one of the the themes that came up for me is how much I love um, mentoring and developing people. So, I mean, obviously I I can do that at work as a manager. I've always felt more desire to do that. So I've been a mentor on a few schemes before and I've actively sought out another one that I can volunteer on now too, because I know it's something I enjoy so much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, I learned that how much, how good I am at research and analysis. I remember talking to Emma about this, who we were talking about earlier who you had on your podcast a while back because I'm I it seems it feels so easy to me to kind of I'm naturally analytical so it's how my brain works mm-hmm. and she kind of had to tell me that that was something that I'm specifically good at because she hates it she said you know it's not a universal truth that everyone's good at these things so I think it was just quite handy having other people's views and doing all the exercises and then the values as well was really really useful because I came up with four values and my top one was passion. And it just makes so much sense to me because, you know, like I said earlier, I need to be passionate about what I do at work. And again, I almost felt like surely everyone feels the same, but actually there's so many different values and not everyone's top one will be that. So it's kind of showed me why at certain points in my career I was unhappy and why at certain points in my career I was loving it. You know, there was actually this little kind of graph that you drew to map that out and it just everything just made so much sense to me and when I looked at my strengths and values on the paper I thought nowhere there does it say works in travel or you know like it wasn't that specific I was actually like I have skills that could be transferable to lots of different industries or lots of different jobs so yeah I really really like that book I have recommended it to so many people yes yeah yeah I love the whole thing about strengths I do some work with the um Clifton Strengths Finder, which um, Gallup have sort of promoted for many years, that the book um, uh, Now Develop Your Strengths. No, Now Discover Discover Your Strengths, I think, is the first one, and then Develop Your Strengths maybe was the second one. Marcus Buckingham um, was uh, one of the authors of that. But um, no, I'm getting this all wrong now. I think he did first break all your rules. Tom Rath might be the one that did the strengths. Um, But I did it years ago, like sort of, I don't know, 25 years ago maybe, through my um, corporate role and um, then completely ignored it for the next however long. And part of the reason that my business now is Power to Live More came out of me finding that again and actually understanding exactly what you've just said, you know, what my real strengths are, the real real top ones that, that need to thread through everything that I do for me to really enjoy what I'm doing and be successful. And once I sort of rediscovered those and, and started to sort of shape what I do around it, it, it was 
so obvious like you say you look back and think oh that would explain why that didn't work or that'll explain why I didn't enjoy that or or whatever but it's not something I think in organizations again when you do like performance reviews and stuff there's always a real focus on um how you can improve your weaknesses and one of the things in that book is it talks about improving your strengths and minimizing your weaknesses so don't let 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 the weaknesses get in the way of staff but actually don't spend time trying to get good at the stuff that you're not good at spend more time getting even better at the stuff that you're really good at I think that's so key oh I 100% agree I think you kind of need the organization you work for to be on board with it as well you know because there are some places I've worked and we've been able to mold people's roles you know to what they're best at because yeah. they're happier everything's going well but you know some places I guess they're so rigid and it's like that's your job description so you have to do all of it so I think that's kind of where the improving on the weaknesses fits but if you could work somewhere that's a bit more adaptable and fluid I think everyone will realize it's in everyone's best interest to have people doing what they're best at Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those people who work for themselves to review their business in that way as well. So, you know, often we end up doing things because we fall into it or it's the thing that somebody's paying us for uh, or it feels like the thing that we should be doing, you know, at the sort of top level. But actually, if you really dig deep and look at those strengths, you should be doing something completely different. And I think it's, it's you know, just as key for us as individuals to to be aware of that and, and make those changes um, or um, or hope that someone will come along and make those changes for us. And it's interesting, we were saying, um, you know, I sort of was flippantly saying, you know, that uh, redundancy often can make a, a really positive change in people's lives. And um, you were saying that, you know, in effect, that's that's what's happened to you. But we were saying, you know, throw COVID in and you really, you know, chose a, <laughs> an interesting year to do it. But of course, as I said, it wasn't you choosing it. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the times when we are really challenged and things don't work and we, for whatever reason, have to make a change, if we can make that change with full knowledge of the stuff that we're really good at and we really enjoy doing and we really want to do, then that can be so helpful, which is exactly what you've done with your new role, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was quite lucky in a way because I, I didn't need to get another job the next day you know I I couldn't have survived financially for too long and you know there was a lot of worry because on LinkedIn you know some people were saying they hadn't had a job in a year and you know you start thinking well I don't know when it's going to happen there is some concern with that but because I had a little bit of time to play with and because I had to start in a new industry I thought I really do need to work out what I want to do next which is why that book was so useful for me and then I didn't rush in you know to just suddenly applying for lots and lots of jobs And I did see lots of people on LinkedIn, you know, who were applying for ridiculous quantities of jobs. You know, when I worked it out, it must have been like three a day for the last two months. You know, and I I just think for me, one of the things that I prioritized was quality over quantity, because I felt like you couldn't do a quality application in that much time. And did you even really want those jobs? You know, if you don't really want something, you'll come across, you know, either the effort you've put into your covering letter or if you're lucky enough to get an interview if you're like not that bothered you know they're not going to really want to employ you so it's quite hard I I I found with LinkedIn you know with social media you can always say it's quite positive and negative and some people obviously choose to come off different platforms or pause things you know for a while for their mental health and I've never found LinkedIn triggering before but I definitely did a little bit when I was made redundant because it's either full of 
well, people getting jobs, which is positive, but then you haven't got one yet. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. triggering yeah. or people, more people losing their jobs or lots of people being very vulnerable and open about how they feel, which on some days is amazing. And you think that's great that they're opening up. You know, I feel the same. And on other days you might think I really didn't need to hear yeah. that today. Yeah. Um, so I found it quite interesting, but yeah, for me, I was lucky enough to have a little bit of breathing room. So I, in some ways it felt like I wasn't doing anything for a while because I hadn't applied to that many jobs, but I had, you know, I was reading books like this weekly career, working out what I wanted to do. And I also did a lot of networking and a lot of asking for recommendations, you know, mm. a long time improving my CV and all of these things. And I remember when I, when I got my job, I remember thinking, oh, well, you know, I was really lucky. I ended up getting the first job I applied for in Cardiff. It wasn't the first job I applied for, but the first one after I decided to move back to Wales. And then I thought I need to be careful how I talk to myself because it's not lucky. I spent more time preparing, you know, more time on that application and more time preparing for that interview than I've ever done for any job in my life. You know, I worked exceptionally hard for it. And even before that, all the groundwork of the training I did and the, you know, time improving my CV and the volunteering I did for another charity and the networking, you know, all of that's part of the process, you know, and it all adds up. But in my <laughs> mind, it seemed easy. <laughs> you had a really good case of imposter syndrome then, didn't you? <laughs> oh, totally. I, I have to watch my, I mean, one of the things I've learned from all the books I've read this year as well is how important our thoughts are, you know, and yeah how careful you have to be talking to yourself so I think I I still have those thoughts but I have to catch them now yeah. you know it's not it's not luck it happened that way it's because I put so much work into it and I worked really hard yeah absolutely and I, I love what you were saying about you know spending time I don't know laying the groundwork before you stepped forward sort of thing as well because again people can position that in so many different ways you know you you could have um felt like you were procrastinating or felt like you were um I don't know not trying to get jobs because you were worried you might not get them and and you know all of that sort of thing but actually as you've said and highlighted and actually as has come to sort of fruition you were actually taking a step back really analyzing and really getting clear on what you wanted to do in order to move forwards and you know you know all good in you for doing that because clearly it worked (laughs) you now have that that great role that you that you're after yeah, it was so true, though. You know, sometimes you do have to question yourself, you know, like, are, you know, are you procrastinating? Is there another reason or mm-hmm. that kind of thing? But for some of these things were quite useful for me in other ways as well. So, you know, asking for lots of LinkedIn recommendations obviously improves my LinkedIn profile. And I got so many of them, I'd use them in covering letters as, as well, you know, to say, don't just take my word for it. <laughs> have a look at all of these. Yeah, It was also really nice because you know, when you're made, you know, I'm fine with it now, but at the time when you've been furloughed or made redundant and speaking to my friends in the same position, you know, you can feel quite rejected and a bit worthless and you question your own ability and and you know, really it's not about that, but you know, that's, those are normal feelings for people to feel. Mm -hmm. So then for somebody to write you, (laughs) well, I didn't say they had to be glowing, but luckily they were to write you a glowing LinkedIn recommendation yeah. I found it really emotive at the beginning, <laughs> to be honest. I ended up in tears after a few of them because yeah. they were so lovely. And yeah. it was so nice to see myself the way other people see me, especially yeah. when I was going through probably a crisis of confidence. Yes, yes. And actually the same with the networking. I ended up um, doing so much networking. I'd start with friends and then friends of friends and even friends of friends of friends um, in the charity industry, you know, finding out more. 
And they were so, it was so nice actually to talk to someone, you know, to have a reason to talk to someone during the day anyway, you know, when you're job hunting, because it can be quite lonely. Yeah. But they were all so nice. And I couldn't believe, you know, how willing they were to take out, take time out of their day to talk to a complete stranger and help them out. Which is funny because I would be really willing to do the same in return. But I was so grateful. And some of them, I'd only spoke to, spoken to them for 20 minutes or something like that. And they were already so complimentary and so positive. Mm. And just those calls could kind of pick up an entire day for me. Yeah. So I think apart from just the networking or just the recommendations, there's just so many more kind of positive mental health benefits you can get from these things as well yeah yeah definitely you've reminded me of one of my previous guests I think it was Teddy Burris um talked about having a yay me file so <laughs> all those recommendations you know all the things that you ever get from anyone saying good things about you keep them corralled in one place and then on those days where you're feeling a bit you know down you know it's not going quite so well pull it out and you know the the sort of um, effect it has <laughs> is very beneficial <laughs> Yeah, that would definitely be good for me. I, I don't know if you know anything about love languages, but mine, my love language is um, a words of affirmation. Uh-huh. So that's what works for me. You know, other people's can be acts of service or yeah. you know, small gifts, that kind of thing. But <laughs> I'm all about words. So yeah, somebody saying something nice to me, then that's, I'm going to remember that <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you've just reminded me, um, I'm assuming the love languages one was another of your the books that you've reviewed. Um, there's, there's a book and I, I won't be able to remember who it it's by or the name of it or anything off the top of my head I'll have to seek it out for you but it's um it's a woman who if you haven't read it already who um wanted to check out all the self-help stuff and has written a book where I think it's something like a chapter a month for a year she has applied each of the things she's learned sort of thing she's taken a book and gone and done something with it have you come across that one it sounds like Help Me by Marianne Power. Does that sound Oh, right? yes. Yes, that's the one. I'm it's sure so that. good. I, I love that book. I haven't actually reviewed that yet. I read it before I started my channel. But it's so, She's. I mean, I've subscribed to her newsletter now. She's so witty. And um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know she does have the op- the options where taken for that to become a film. Because, you know, yeah. if you've read it, it does read, it reads like fiction. <laughs> you yeah, know, like and, um, Bridget Jones, isn't it? But about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yeah yeah oh, brilliant so that's good so we can recommend that in the show notes because you've remembered the title even though I <laughs> yeah. couldn't um so before we start I ask for um questions that I could ask you I don't always get to them but um one of the things you um talked about is a habit that you developed in 2020 um that was really important to you tell us more about that Yes. So, I mean, I've probably started quite a few habits in 2020, but this is the only one that I've kept up consistently. And it's a daily gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. And I started it in January. So in 2020, so I've been doing it every single day now for a whole year. And it feels like, you know, that that's just something I do now. It feels part of my night routine. And all I do is I write down five things every day that I'm grateful for that have happened that day. Mm-hmm. And the point of them is actually to be quite specific. So although, you know, like, for example, I'm sure you could easily say that you're happy for your husband or your daughter or your business or whatever. It's actually it's a bit too big. You know, it's almost yeah. becomes a bit meaningless at that level. So it's meant to be more specific, you know, so like I've got um, a three year old nephew. So I could say I'm grateful for the fact that he laughed when I did the silly dance today. You know, it's that kind of level of being specific because then when you read that you'll remember that happened and it's sometimes it's really little things you know and to be honest some days 
<laughs> in the last year, it, you've, I've only been able to find little things, you know, because it it's not always been easy. But then maybe that lunch I had was amazing or maybe, you know, the, the weather was nice on the walk I did, whatever it is. But I think why it works so well is because I know I'm going to do this every day. So every day my brain is kind of, you know, in the background, looking out for these moments and looking yeah. out for the things that make me happy and that I'm grateful for. And it's just a bit like we were saying about you have to be careful about the way you speak to yourself earlier. I think it's almost, yeah, it's kind of along that vein as well. Like my brain's looking for happy things. And the good thing is, even on days that I might have traditionally labeled as, you know, I used to be quite black and white thinking I probably still can be, you know, so I would have said that's a bad day, you know, and it would be very easy to say the day I got made redundant was a bad day. You know, I, I was devastated at the time, but even that day I wrote down my five things in the night that I was grateful for. So every single day in the last 12 months, I found something and I just think it's been really important to me because I, I, I feel like I've coped pretty well with all the things that have happened to me in 2020 and being quite resilient. But I think this is one of the main reasons why, because I'd already been doing it for a few months before, you know, COVID really hit. So yeah. I felt like I've built up kind of more mental resilience and more, you know, trying to find the joy in situations um, from doing this. Mm. So, I mean, I would recommend it to everyone. It literally takes me a few minutes every day and before I started reading so much about personal development, you know, all of these things would have seemed maybe a bit silly to me, but then the more I've read about them and really understand how they work in the science and all of that and actually doing it for myself, then I, I really would recommend it to everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, as you say, that that whole bit about your um, subconsciously looking for that stuff all, all the time, you know, the it's um, what's it called? Is it reticular activation? I think it is, isn't it? Where you you buy a red car and then you see red cars everywhere you know because as you say you're looking for something to be grateful for you find more things funny enough <laughs> um, but also you know you are probably more grateful it, it's it's probably one of those lovely um, virtuous circle type things um so yeah lovely um one of my students actually at the moment um talks about gratitude all the time so I must um I must get him onto your YouTube channel and send you a connection to to his <laughs> I'm sure you'll have lots in common with that lovely so last couple of questions what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong how do you deal with those and you Ooh, my phone was ringing on my computer then I don't know if that'll have come out on the podcast <laughs> never done that before um so yeah so how do you deal with those, those days I guess the gratitude bit comes in yeah it's, it's tricky because it, it, in some ways I I don't know I feel like lots of days go wrong because you know like at the beginning of the day I'll set out a plan of what I want to do that day and I don't know if you find this but I can never do everything that I think I can do and the funny thing is, I, it feels so realistic at the beginning of the day. You know, I think I'm going to do this, this and this. You know, sometimes I even plan it out when I'm really busy. You know, like, oh, that won't take. Yeah, I'll give that an hour. That's actually really, you know, it doesn't even need an hour. I've actually got some contingency in there. And the whole day seems so perfect. But then a video call overruns or I don't know, just the other day I needed to scan some documents for selling my flats and I couldn't get my scanner to it for an hour and a half, you know, and just you seem to get derailed a lot. So kind of my best laid plans never seem to work out. Um, so I, I think I do need to get better at actually making a much shorter list that I actually can achieve. But yeah, on the days that go really badly, I think either it depends if if you have to do something that day, you know, like there's a really urgent deadline then I will make those plans, but I'll be a bit stricter. Like I've said with myself in the morning and kind of that Pomodoro thing, mm. I'll actually be like, I have to do it in that time. 
or if it's just going really, really wrong, but you don't have to do it today, then to be honest, sometimes, you know, I'll give up and start again the next day because yeah. I know that I, my brain, like I said, it doesn't work that well in the evening. I learned this when I was studying at uni as well. You know, I'd be working, you know, all hours of the day trying to revise. And sometimes I think it's not going in, you know, this is ridiculous. So I kind of rather would stop, have an early night and start earlier the next day, you know, because I think once I've slept and had a shower, then I'm good to go again, you know, and sometimes unless you really have to, it feels like there's no point kind of banging your head against that wall. Like, you know, you can be sat at your computer, but if you're not actually productive, there's not much point. No, no, exactly. In fact, that's something you said earlier. I meant to pick up on that whole thing about also being self-aware in terms of your energy. And as you say, when, when it's there and when it isn't sort of thing and how important that is. So yeah, you mentioned that earlier as well. So uh, that definitely helps, doesn't it? And as you say, if it's not, if it's not working, <laughs> try again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was easier on fellow actually with the energy because I, you know, I was still wanted to do things like job hunting or YouTube or whatever, but I could decide what's my biggest priority today. And I would do it first thing to make sure it was got done. And also when I was at my most productive, but the problem is when you work for an organization, you know, so much gets imposed on you, you know, you get to yeah. invited to so many meetings and so on. So, you know, I probably would have my meetings in the afternoon if it was up to me because I'm more productive in the morning and then I'd feel happier having those meetings and no one have to achieve something. But it actually is normally ends up being the other way around, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about uh, the last question, which is all about uh, when you have the opportunity to live more, what do those days look like for you? And that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do, what do those days of living more look like for you? Yeah, so I think it would involve a, a really nice long walk in nature, which, I mean, I've always loved walking. I've done a few walking charity challenges and I've been on walking holidays and that kind of thing. And I've been really lucky that actually it's one of my passions because it's about one of the only things we've been able to do, yeah. you know, in lockdown. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it would involve a really long walk for me. And I think this is, there's a few reasons why I love it so much. You've obviously got the exercise aspect of it, you know, which is sending positive hormones to your brain. I love then the fresh air and the vitamin D and, you know, either on my own and with my own thoughts or chatting to a friend at the same time. And especially going somewhere really pretty, you know, that kind of has such a positive impact on my mental health as well. So I think all of those combined make it like one of my favorite activities. And then I think if I've done a really lovely um, long walk, then I've got a good excuse to have a nice bath in the evening, which is also one of my favorite things um, to kind of stretch out. So I think, yeah, that day would involve that. And there'd probably be some brunch somewhere because it's my favorite meal. But at the moment, it's mostly DIY, obviously. <laughs> but one day I'll be back to having a nice brunch out somewhere as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I identify with that, that whole bath thing. We had our bathroom redone just before Christmas and uh, it was weeks and weeks and weeks before we had our bath. And now it, it uh, we're waiting on a pump to be fitted to make it fill quicker and I am having fewer baths because I really can't be bothered to wait for 45 minutes for this bath to fill. But the joy of actually having one does actually make up for it. So uh, I must remind myself of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's so important to me that I'm house hunting right now and I pretty much won't save anywhere that doesn't have a bath or the opportunity to put one in because it's just, you know, it's so important to me. So I can't imagine somewhere being home without having a bath. Uh, yeah, I, I got quite traumatised when hotels used to um, have showers, you know, they stopped having baths. Um, but I think um, 
I think Premier Inn went to showers and then went back to baths. So I was quite pleased with them. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been really great interviewing you today, Linda. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. Yeah, sure. I'm Better You Books on Instagram and YouTube. So you can find me there if you want any book inspiration. And on LinkedIn, I'm Linda Harris. Brilliant. Thank you. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 206, then you'll find them there. This week, I just want to mention that we were talking about list building at the Gold Calm Call this last week, which was uh, an interesting conversation about the importance of having a list. So having a way of emailing your audience and managing that so that you have control over that relationship. If you have a group of people through other platforms like Facebook, through groups or other platforms, then you're reliant on them continuing to let you do that, if you like. And sometimes they change their strategy, they change their functionality and the um, relationship, the opportunity to have a relationship with your audience has to change along with that. The advantage of having your own list is that you can maintain your relationship with them without it being affected by other um, platforms, if you like, and other people's strategies. We talked quite a bit about the importance having of having really compelling lead magnets to encourage people to give you their details. Back in the day, just asking people to join your newsletter list was good enough, but now people get so many emails that they really need a good reason to give you their email. We also talked about the importance of complying with things like GDPR and ensuring you have your privacy policy visible so that people trust you to look after their email address and not, um, you know, forward it on, sell it or, or whatever else. And then we talked about the sorts of emails that you might send out after somebody's joined your list to start to grow that relationship with them, to nurture that relationship with them so that when you're ready to talk to them about your products or to perhaps promote an affiliate product that you use, that you've got that relationship that enables you to do that. So it's a really interesting conversation, one I'm sure we'll have on many more occasions and we'll explore that in more detail. Uh, For next month, it's a theme of sustain, which is my fifth fundamental. And we'll be kicking off the topic of habits on Monday, the 11th of May. We won't be having a call on the 3rd because it's a bank holiday in the UK. So on the 10th of May, we're going to be talking about habits and if you'd like to join us for that call, you just need to go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and you can use the code my one trial to get your first month for a pound. The other thing that's happening in May is that we have a weekly get it done session, two hours once a week for each of the four weeks uh, in May that uh, enables the members to come together and g- agree and share what they're going to work on in the two hours and to really spend that time highly focused on whatever that project is and checking in a couple of times to uh, sort of uh, say how they've got on with it and so on. We did one last week. We hadn't done one for a while. We did one last week and uh, people found it so useful to just give them a, a reason, an excuse, an opportunity to focus on something that they'd been procrastinating on and needed some uh, real sort of focused time with no distractions. So we've fitted um, one a week in for the next four weeks 
Uh, so the first one of those kicks off on Wednesday, the 5th of May. So again, if you're interested in joining us, then powertoldmore.com forward slash get calm and use the code my one trial. Again, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 206. If you're in the UK, have a great bank holiday weekend and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.